Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Damas Leary, and usually this is where Brod would introduce himself, but we're mixing things up this week. Brod is off gallivanting in Japan, so I am with a very special guest. Introduce yourself, special guest. Hi, I'm Lauren DeJong. Woo, the crowd goes wild. And today we'll be discussing season one of GLOW. Oh How are you, Lauren? I'm pretty damn excited. Mm-hmm. All right. So time for our spoiler warning. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one of GLOW. Before listening, we recommend watching all of GLOW. If you have not done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. All right. Now it's time for our facts and figures. Glow is a Netflix original comedy drama series loosely based on the professional wrestling show of the same name, created by Liz Flahive and Carly Mensch and executive produced by Genji Cohen of Orange is the New Black and Weeds fame. Glow first aired on 23rd of June 2017. The show stars Alison Brie, Betty Gilpin, Sadell Knoll, Brittany Young and Mark Marin. Season 1 consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 32 minutes and took us approximately five and a half hours to watch, which was pretty nice for me this week. Lightning speed. Lightning speed. Oh, what a joy. All right, and now it's time for the Season 1 of Glow Rundown. We open on Ruth. She's auditioning for the role of a lifetime. She plays a strong and powerful woman. Unfortunately for her, she's reading the man's role and is quickly told to read the one line allocated to the woman. Sorry to interrupt, your wife is online too. How depressing. And so our journey into the world of GLOW begins. It's the 80s and opportunities for women are limited and Ruth's plight is only skimming the surface. We meet a bunch of ragtag women that have been brought together for a new and certainly unconventional opportunity. The has-been B-movie director Sam Sylvia is auditioning women for a ladies' wrestling show. It's set in a time when the image of Hulk Hogan was splashed everywhere, telling America's kids to eat their vitamins and that kicking ass rules. Alongside Ruth, we meet Sheila the She-Wolf, Cherry Bang, the out-of-work stunt woman who thirsts for a chance to be the leading lady, Carmen, the daughter of a famed wrestler, Justine, Sam Sylvia fangirl, Arthi, med student and granddaughter of a wrestling fanatic, Rhonda, dim-witted Brit, Tamay, the family feud audience coordinator who's never had a role in her life, Mel Rose, the obnoxious party girl, Jenny, the valley girl and TV trivia nut, 
Stacey and Dawn, two ladies that have been told they should have their own show because they are oh so funny. I myself have heard that quite a few times. And as these novices are taught the ins and outs of wrestling, so are we. We're with them as they learn how to hold, jump, flip and dominate one another in the ring. But oh wait, someone else enters the arena. It's Debbie Egan, the one-time soap star and Ruth's best friend. What's she so angry for? Oh, she's just found out that Ruth has been sleeping with her husband and all she wants to do is punch Ruth in her stupid face. Tension! When Sam sees the explosive energy between these two foes, he knows that they are going to be the main event and he entices Debbie into joining the show. This is her chance to get back in the game after giving up her career for her husband and child. With nowhere else to turn, she accepts his offer to be the star. And this is when we meet the man bankrolling the whole operation. It's the lovable Bash, a trust fund man-child. Sure, he enjoys spending his days getting high and playing dress-ups, but they're not his only passion. He is obsessed with wrestling and wants to see something new. And so he creates Glow. These two men butt heads. Sam wants to revolutionize the medium. He builds a dystopian future where the women fight to mate with the last surviving man. But Bash reigns him in. All he wants to see is Hulk Hogan in a dress. And so all the women are given their characters. This world isn't about backstories, it's about type. They must adorn themselves with the symbols of how the world sees them. If you're a black woman, you're a thug or on welfare. If you're brown, you're a terrorist. And if you're a pretty blonde woman, you're the all-American hero. Will the women be diminished by this, or will they band together and find a way to express themselves authentically? Where's Ruth in all this, by the way? Oh yeah, she's off doing a character actor masterclass. She finally lands on the perfect character for her to play, the ultimate villain, Zoya the Destroyer. And so once again, she will face off against Debbie in the ring. And while the momentum and excitement builds for the women, Eventually, Bash's wild spending gets the attention of his conservative mother and the funds dry up. Will the ladies, after having fought so hard, be able to get enough cash to film the pilot? Well, after they all tell their inner Ruth and perform some stirring monologues, they're finally given the reluctant nod of approval from Bash's mum and can perform. And so the day comes when the women band together to create something magical. But Debbie is being lured back to her old life. When it seems all is lost, and Zoya the Destroyer reigns supreme, Liberty Bell rises from the audience to take the title. It seems these two women, once friends and now alienated from one another, have found a way to work together and create a performance that the crowd goes wild for. They fight in spectacular style and Liberty Bell is crowned. But Sam, always trying to subvert the norm, changes things up and allows Welfare Queen to strip America's sweetheart of the title. What will happen next? Where will the story go from here? I guess we'll just have to tune in to season two of GLOW! How good was that? You're amazing. Thank you so much. So, you like the show? It's all right. I bloody loved it. All right. Now it is time for our five word summation. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. That's great because I'm not. So you go first. I'll go first. (laughs) Count. We're both counting on our fingers. Yep. Mighty Ducks Mm -hmm. for grown ups. 
That's amazing. Also, is grown ups a hyphenated word though? It is. Well, then that's one word. Can't count. <laughs> Fuck at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Mighty Ducks for grown ups. That's there right. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, are you just going? I yeah. really, really like. I'm trying not I to really, do that. Really likes it. <laughs> Rich character development and storytelling. Yeah, that's Nerd. fun. <laughs> that's me. Yeah, pretty much. Like this show is the kind of show that you nerd over, though. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I, like it must have been. Three Two months ago that I mm. watched the whole thing on your recommendation. And was it me? Yeah. I yeah, feel so yeah, yeah. honoured. Um, you know, I never watch television. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like a show about conspiracy theories and aliens. That's true. Uh, yeah, that doesn't count. That's like But otherwise. News. <laughs> that's news. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I, I watched it and then I felt so like just so bad not being able to talk to you about it until now mm, um, I know. because I just couldn't contain myself you've been holding out on me yeah it's horrible I mean pretty much everyone that I've been just like random people I'm meeting on the street I'm like have you seen glow well you <laughs> should uh it's fucking incredible but all right so let's get into our talking points I'm gonna start us off here right, go ahead and I think obviously one of the big things that we're hit over the head with in this show is stereotypes you and I've read a whole bunch of articles about the positives and negatives of this well, you've done your homework darling. I Good have one. done my homework like you called me earlier I am a nerd this is true and overwhelmingly I think the stereotypes in this show are used for like an incredibly positive force like, I, I, I read a few disparaging articles about how it was simplistic and all that jazz, but I, I kind of think those people missed the point. But I love what they do with it. I love that. And I think this is something that Orange is the New Black does, though not as well, I don't think, but they do do this as well, is that we have our white leads bring us in. Yeah. Because, you know, as Genji Cohen herself has said many times that, like, to get a show made, you kind of <laughs> need a white lead. So we, we get in, but then within that, we are shown a, a myriad of different people that we may not have uh, have access to otherwise in, you know, I don't know, NCIS. I know I don't watch that show. Maybe that's really diverse. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it uh, I, I think I they think just it attack I think brown half people. Of it's in Spanish or something without subtitles. It's very progressive. Oh well, that, or maybe that that's can't be else. true. That cannot be true. There's no way. That's uh, true. Hmm. I've got maybe <laughs> I've got to watch NCIS. Um. Anyway, I think yeah, this show tackles stereotypes, and I think it does it really, really well. I mean, we see the character of Bash proclaim at one point. You know, wrestling is not about backstory; it's about type. And, I mean, within wrestling, I like, obviously, you can't deny that. You've got your faces and your heels. But I also think in showing these women, you know, black women or brown women or just alternative women having to play to what the world sees them as and seeing their reactions to that and also taking power from it. I know, I kind of liked it. What do you, what did you think about their, well, I the thought, way they deal with stereotypes? I mean, I thought that um, if you're making... If you're making a f- like fictional origin story about yep. something that actually exists, like uh, I mean, I had I actually don't know anything about the real glow. I watched the pilot. It's on YouTube. Oh, okay. Everyone, if you have access to YouTube, which you should, unless you're in North Korea, um, you should watch the pilot of Glow because it's fucking amazing. Anyway, go on. Yeah, cool. Um, 
but I imagine if you yeah, so they've already got some sort of like they have to work with what's what already ex- exists, and I assume that there was like full of stereotypes. Oh, I mean, thing. that is what I, wrestling yeah, was yeah. and still kind of is. I remember reading when I was doing my research an article about, I think it was, yeah, it's the WWF now? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, it was the WWE. I, anyway, I can't remember. I'm not a big wrestling person anymore. I was when I was little. Anyway, at the moment, there's a, a big bad or a heel who is played by a Canadian man who is of Indian descent and yeah. he's playing pretty much kind of like a terrorist type Amazing. of character. So, I mean, that stuff, well, usually not quite as overt as it was in the 80s. It's certainly continuing on. But that was totally part of it in the yeah. 80s and certainly in the 90s when I was watching it. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, I think if you're making a show about that, you're going to have to get around using stereotypes. And I thought that they did it particularly cleverly by giving us um, – when they gave us Sam's like his version of what he his thought women's yeah <laughs> women's wrestling should be, um, and to be honest, when he said when he was that was happening, I was like, oh yeah. I mean, that's your kind like, of show, exactly. Yeah, um, but then I was kind of pleased that to ha- to have it go back to actually what it, what it was. what it was, yeah. Um, and and also, I think that you forget that audiences are smart. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like yep. the, it's it's made knowing that people are going to go, oh, stereotypes. Well, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of like the negative articles I was reading about, they're like, you know, yes, this might be the underlying message, but some people aren't going to get it. Um, no. And I'm not of the thought that like if some people aren't going to get it, you shouldn't make it. I think that's absurd. I think in order to educate people, you need to elevate what you're creating. You shouldn't be going down to their level at the most basic level Yeah. to kind of like – so you shouldn't be talking to the dumbest person in the room. No, completely. You should be engaging in conversation in an intelligent way and hopefully they're going to learn while they watch. Which is why there's a comment that Sam makes to Tamei, I think, mm. um, when she has concerns about well, playing welfare mm. queen. Yeah. She's like, yeah, very my, valid you know, concerns. My son's, yeah. my son's at Stanford yeah. and blah, blah. And he says, you know, we're subverting, so, paraphrasing, we're mm. subverting the stereotypes. Like yeah. that's what I'm, And I don't even think it needed that explicit scene to no i don't to think it's flat to yeah. flag that oh that's what's going on like it's yeah. pretty damn yeah obvious i mean yeah the absurdity of welfare queen how heightened she is and yeah. like and it's totally relevant not only to the wrestling world of the 80s but just the like america in the 80s in which and they like mention it throughout the show is like in that reagan era the like the fear mongering about the poor black community. And so I think in taking that caricature that they were creating and actually showing people what that would look like, of course it's absurd. Of course that can't actually exist in reality. And so I think that's kind of, and while no, not everyone in the audience is going to get that, that that's like a clown version of someone on welfare. But like that's what the Reagans were creating. Yeah. And so, yeah, and in doing so, by showing people how absurd it is and how much it couldn't exist in real life, yeah, you're like subverting their expectations. And I think, yeah, I think yeah, it's very smart. Yeah, completely. But, I mean, you still can't get around the fact that perhaps the choices that the real Glow made were a little bit... They naive, were not... Right? Not Sam not great, Sylvia's. Not that, great That's not what was happening at all. Um, And in the, you know, in the actual original whatever the thing's based on. Mm. 
like I'm sure there's some problematic yeah yeah no I'm I'm certainly not talking Um, about but in the the show it's like well like it's pretty clear that first of all they're resistant to it to Mm -hmm. begin with yeah they only really agree to it they are concerned about it yeah yeah um and second of all like it's comedy (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and I think it is definitely possible to celebrate and subvert a stereotype at mm-hmm. the same time yeah 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 no totally and yeah I just want to clarify that when I'm talking about subversion I'm not talking about the original glow series because I think yeah. while some of the women who you know had limited opportunities um did glow and they create these ridiculous over-the-top characters um I, I can't speak for whether they in their minds were subverting. I know the men behind it. That's definitely not what they were doing. That was not their intention. They just wanted Mrs. Pac-Man. Yeah. Um, which is a reference uh, to what Bash says when talking about creating women's wrestling. So that like that's not what I'm talking about. But in this show, because we have access to who these women are beyond the stereotype, they are forced to play in a way because they. it's very clearly stated they don't have other options. They, you know, in that conversation that Tamei yeah. has with Sam, she's like, I've never had a role before. Like, this is the, her only opportunity she's ever had to play anything. And it's unfortunate that it's, you know, welfare queen. But if she can, like, make it her own and take power from that, like, I don't, like, I don't think any character or some I don't know, reviewer can take that away from the character. Of course. And yeah. it's like a comment on you know, what was going on at the time. It's like, yeah, like you said, there weren't other options yeah. for women. They had, they had to do it this way. Exactly. And I can't help but think that not much has changed. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I mean, I think with a lot of reviewers, they're like, oh, you know, it's it's a terrible example, you know, stereotypes, blah, 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 all that stuff. But I'm like, well, that's also coming from a place of a, a belief that people have choices. But if you're like a poor... I'm talking about characters, obviously. Yeah. If you're a poor black woman or you're a poor brown woman or you're, you know, dressed as a fucking wolf, yeah. you have very limited choices to support yourself. Or if your son goes to Stanford, how the fuck are you going to manage that? You know, yeah. money is – you need money. You That's how you live. And it's the same thing when people, like, criticise sex workers. Or it's like sometimes there just isn't a choice for people. And if you get to – do something like glow where you learn a skill you're able to perform which is something that you've wanted to do and you don't have to have sex with people that's pretty (laughs) enticing for a you know for a character living in the 80s who's female yeah Yeah. i mean and the other thing i want to say is that stereotypes are not that far off from from they're pretty they're sorry they're pretty closely related to archetypes which are used all the time in storytelling Mm -hmm. and especially like, I'm just thinking about wrestling being quite closely related to, like, music theatre. Well, I was thinking about it, like, being very closely to, like, Panama. Yeah, yeah totally. totally. Yeah, mm. but, yeah, probably closer to Panto. But in, you know, in that in those highly theatrical formats mm-hmm. where, um, you know, you kind of need signifiers of who yeah, these totally. characters are. Nuanced you don't, you don't characters, have, like, massive close-ups on them or yeah. anything. Like, nuanced characters don't generally exist in those worlds yeah uh, certainly not when we first meet them yeah and particularly in panto they're not going like to be traditional there music and, yeah exactly so it's a part of the medium 
yeah. to have these big extreme yeah archetypes or stereotypes. Yeah. That's just, that's kind of what it is. So without changing that, I think what's in, like interesting about Glow is then diving into it to about like who these people are. Yeah. And just because they're playing a part, that, that in no way defines them as people, obviously. Do you know what made me think of that originally? Mm. Was the scene in, I think it's in the pilot, when um, Ruth is paired up with Carmen and they have a backstory. And, <laughs> and it's like lame is. It's lame is. She's, she's you stole bread, bread for, for my family. family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Alison Brie, you're yeah. killing me. Mate, you're so good. And, and I'm like, oh my God, how, like how does she not even get that they're the same thing yeah. already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I, I love, I loved Ruth in that scene. It's just <laughs> so perfect. And, yeah, in that first episode, God, she in brings the humor. In the entire pilot. Oh. She kills it. Yeah. She's so fucking good. And she reminds me of a lot of actors I know. Obviously not to that extreme, but I'm looking at you, Lauren. I'm thinking of... I'm our, retired. You are retired now. <laughs> I'm thinking of our friend, a dear friend, Celeste, yeah. uh, who's over in London. R.I.P. Don't see you anymore. How sad. Um, and a, yeah, just a bunch of actors I know. And just like... Of course, they would take it that seriously. Like just a simple, you know. Of course. You know, pull her hair. It's like, like what? But like, what's my motivation? Like, we need a backstory. Trust me, we need a backstory. (laughs) And it's just like the most extreme backstory. It's not like, ah, you like, you you know, stole my boyfriend. I'm gonna pull your hair. It's like, I stole bread for my family. (laughs) It's like, and also I think it's indicative of who Ruth is as a character. She always wants to be the good guy. Oh, She's yeah, like, absolutely. please like yeah. me. I'm like, yes, I did this thing. And why are you attacking me? Yeah. yeah which yeah. is just <laughs> fabulous. Now, so we've talked about stereotypes. Did you want to talk about anything more on this, on that subject? Um, I don't think so. No? You're good? I think. That's all right. No, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that kind of covered, covered yeah. one of my points too. And while... You know, obviously the subject of stereotypes is brought up this season. I also think, like Orange is the New Black, we are going to see more and more of those side characters. And so Mm. I think, like, we see a glimpse of Beirut when she gets, you know, the anger from, obviously, the white racist dudes when they throw, like, the beer can or whatever. And she's like, whoa, oh, my God, they actually hate me. I think we're probably going to see a little bit more of that and, like, what's that actually like to deal with. Because Glow eventually in real life became really big. And so these women are probably going to have to deal with that. And obviously if you're a heel, you know, and a brown heel, there's probably going to be some stuff to deal with. So I I think we are going to see more. So if people weren't satisfied with how it was depicted or shown this season, I would, yeah, I would encourage them to keep watching because I think they're just going to delve a little bit further into that. All right, now, did you have a topic you wanted to bring up, discuss? Yeah, so, um, so I, I loved, I loved the show, and I loved, especially loved the pilot. To be honest, mm. um, it was a fantastic yeah. pilot, and I almost feel like, like the show was pretty much made for me. I, um, <laughs> that's I, really self-centered of you, but great. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've never really let go of the eighties. I love all the. The sort of like dirty. I have seen the earrings. Aesthetic. Yeah. I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I like big hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes your fringe. I was like, Trump would be proud of that wall. Hell it's yeah! It's just like up there and big and beautiful. Oh mm. yeah. Um, 
yeah, and like all the theatrical dress and all the, you know, crazy music and stuff, but especially can, with some of the outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was just sort of wondering, is this like a weird sneaky way to get that like Netflix tits and ass quota oh like, with like the high yeah like leotards super high and leotards and like lots of crotch shots and like do you think they greenlit glow because they're like mm, yeah we'll get to boobies see boobies and butts yeah a lot of boobs a lot of butts <laughs> um yeah and and then it's like oh but you know that's how it was in the 80s but it it was that in the 80s so yeah. i don't like well like I'm not Do you know sure. what's interesting mm. is you love Tiznas? No, no, I love Tiznas. Um, who doesn't? Um, true, true. But in the pilot, you see Alison Brie in the buff in scene three. Yeah, and you never see it again. Never. You know, no, sorry, you see it later on the episode oh, when she's oh, when she's Mark. that's right. Um, oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about the fucking scene. Sorry. Yeah. No, you see her in oh, the locker room. That's she right. Takes her, she takes out. her boobs out. Um, Community fans jizzed <laughs> <okay>. everywhere, <laughs> and I'm ex- pretty much exclusively talking about Broad. Yeah, okay. he, he, yeah, I'm sure he loved that. Hi, Broad. That's why he's sad. He's not here <laughs> today to talk about it. Anyway, go on. Um, yeah, and then so yeah, she gets her kid off twice in the episode, mm. and it's like pretty. I out thought, there. oh, this is going to be this is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. And like then, it set the tone, but yeah, they, the tone was never matched. Do not see it again. No. And I was wondering, like, oh. Mm. What like why is that? When and is it because there's already so many like actual women wearing um to quote Sam underwear as outerwear already <laughs> on the show? Yeah, it was that quote towards Melrose. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, look, I I think I understand the reason for the very uh, real um sex scene with Mark. Because yeah. I, like, throughout the season when I was kind of like, oh, I wish, like, Debbie – and I – I'm by the way, as a disclaimer, I'm quite constantly going to be calling Betty – I mean, Debbie Betty because that's the actress's name and I just get the two confused. So, I'm sorry if I do that. Anyway, so when Debbie and Ruth are hanging out, I was just like, oh, I wish Debbie would get over it. And then I would remember – I would see that scene. Yeah. And I would be like, fuck, no, you ru- you actually – you ruined it. Because I think so many times in we're used to in film and TV, people being able to forgive that stuff. When in real life, you never fucking could because it would just be awful for your best friend to fuck your husband when yeah. you just had a baby. Like, that's <laughs> fucked. Yeah. Um, Bad timing. But like in soaps and stuff, like we see that, you know, it plays out and everyone's, you know, friends in another six months or whatever. Um, so that was actually a really good reference point for me um, personally. But the, you the just like remembering saying Alison Brie, like, bouncy kids. bouncy boobies, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep, put that in the wank bank. <laughs> um, but the locker scene, yeah, I'm not sure. It was really, w- yeah, because yeah, I thought this show was gonna have a shit ton of boobies and butts and sex scenes, mm. and it di- it doesn't. No. Like, sure, we have like those tight leotards, but you know, like I said, they're very 80s. That's what the women were wearing. Um including all that big hair and crazy eye makeup and shit ton of glitter. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of – so you can't really escape from oh, that. You know, just mm. about that. Um, I I completely uh, – I'm uh, – you're going to laugh at me. So mm. in, the, in the finale, yeah. Um, I completely didn't 
pick that Debbie was going to jump out of the I crowd. I didn't either. Okay, but do you know? Like, but I'm ignorant I, but I was, of that stuff. But I was like, she's wearing a lot of makeup though. <laughs> Maybe it is just because it's the 80s. I didn't <laughs> even notice that though. Like I, because Broad notices everything in film, I should say, because in life he doesn't notice the yeah, goddamn yeah, fucking yeah. thing. <laughs> Can I say like, Lauren Broad and myself lived together for like a few years and he, every time he would unload the dishwasher and I'd open the drawers and bowls and plates were in the completely wrong place. I'm like, you've lived here for two and years. Like not the same place every time he unloaded yeah, exactly. it. Like, how do you not know where things are? The bowls are always in the same drawer. Anyway, that's a total. <laughs> that's, that's, off, that's off track. Um, yeah, like I, I never notice that stuff. Broad always does. Like he'll get a music cue and he's like, oh, this and this and this is yeah, going to happen. Like right. I'm just ignorant to it. Um, in the but, story. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, I'm hearing the words, I guess. Um, but I, I didn't even notice the makeup because I think I was used to cut her always. And even in that, her always wearing a lot of makeup because even in that scene when they go to Bash's mum's yeah. and she's like, oh gosh, you wear a lot of makeup. And Debbie Egan's like, thank you. And then pauses <laughs> yeah. and realizes it's an insult. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't even register that until like the actual moment when she gets up and I was like, holy shit. So I'm very lucky like that because I actually yeah, am you can get a lot of continuous, joy out of like, things. like constantly surprised by shows. I'm like, oh, that's that's very exciting. Thank you, show. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, do I think it fits a quota of TNA? I mean, probably, particularly that first episode. Yeah, but that's how you hook them in. That's how you get the boys in. That's right, how, and then and then they're watching just awesome wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise it might be too much like women complaining about not uh, about not getting stuff in that first episode. So if you give them some tits and some arms, sure, arms, sure, they're yeah. like, "Oh, this is sick. This is real good." Yeah, and then they'll uh, just enjoy the wrestling for the rest of the show. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah, okay. That's just me talking out my ass, but that's that's my theory, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah, how about that? I just thought it was so weird that that, that we didn't get it again. Yeah, no, and that's a really that's I mean that's a valid point to bring up because I didn't really think about that, but that's that's very true. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know why. I wonder. They changed their mind, I guess. Yeah, maybe the tone just changed as they yeah. went along. Yeah. They're like, oh, we don't actually need that. And also, they don't really have a lot of Oh, we do see Mark Maron's butt. Yeah, and it, but in their sex. in their period yeah. sex scene, you see absolutely nothing. That's true. Of Kate Nash. No. We see Kate Nash boobies sometimes. Do we? Yeah. Um, she's, because when she's moisturizing herself and oh, calm there, yes. she's like, I see your boobies. Yes. Yeah. And then I think we see it in the period sex scene as well. Okay. Yeah. So we see boobs. A little bit of boobs. But not like sexy, sexy time yeah. boobs. Where they're like, got some movement happening. <laughs> Getting really descriptive. I could write a fan fiction about Kate Nash's boobs. Anyway. <laughs> I was actually because I didn't know Kate Nash was in this, and I was like a huge Who's fan Kate of Nash? her. She's the British chick. No, but like, oh, she's a she's she a singer songwriter. Oh, right. Um, and I was a big fan of her when I was like nineteen. Like her music really spoke to me. Um, so when I, when I was watching this, I was, was like, goth music. No, 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 no. It was kind of like cute twee um, indie music. I guess is is I don't know if that's insulting. I'm I'm not trying to insult her. I think she's very talented, but. Um, did you like her in this? Yeah, I did actually. Did, why did you not like her? Not initially. Mm. She annoyed me. Um, but I on, understand why she on would. Rewatching, I was like, oh, actually. I oh. thought she was actually, you know, talking about stereotypes before. I thought she was too much of that dim-witted bimbo. Is she, and then, is she actually British? 
she is actually British. Yeah. And then on the rewatch, I was like, oh, actually, you're incredibly emotionally intelligent. And I like, and that kind of hits me a little bit more on the rewatch. Yeah. The, though I actually have a complaint about that because, so she is incredibly emotionally intelligent and we see her while she is interested in Sam and kind of like really, you know, she's, she likes him. She generally likes him. Uh, but she also in episode is like completely not jealous and like I said, emotionally intelligent. She gets where people are coming from. But earlier on in the season, when she's in the car with Ruth and Sam, she's like, Sam and I are shagging, just so you know. And I was like, oh, actually, that doesn't track with her character in the later. So they yeah. obviously like tweaked her a bit as See, they that, went along. that scene in the car was mm. when I, on my first watch, was the her defining like, scene. Boo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is like fair because that's kind of like the first time we really spend any time with her. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, that's really mm. upsetting. And, but I, I thought that was what they were doing was, yeah, and I mm. thought what they were doing was like, oh, she plays the brainiac, but she's actually she's so bad. She's so dumb. And yeah. I didn't appreciate that. Can I say, I do appreciate her Glowbot though. <gasps> oh my so God. So good. <laughs> Great use of that robot, the Glowbot. That's fantastic. Because she wanted a pony or she wanted a horse. Yeah. And sounds like we can't get you a horse, but she we got a Glowbot. So you can good. have Bash's bot. Um. Yeah. All right, well, my next point is how much I love that this show is character-driven because, I mean, you probably haven't listened to them because you do not watch the Marvel shows because that's just not who you are and that's fine. But so many of those shows are story-driven and character feels very secondary. Right. Um, so I love that this show is character-driven and particularly when we're talking about you know, villains versus good guys or in the wrestling terminology, faces versus heels. Yeah. I think like the perfect example of that is Ruth, who is kind of depicted as the homewrecker, the one that we obviously should hate. And of course, in moments we do because she's a bit of a fucking asshole, but we get to know her. Like we dive into what her motivations are, where she's coming from, or, like her insecurities, which are she, though she, I think she feels like she is hiding them, are totally on the surface. And, you know, Sam Sylvia even mentions that. He's like, you know, you're so like, on, you're so emotional and you're so like needy. And that's why people can't fucking stand you. And she has to take that and kind of reinvent herself and, trying to find a way to belong like what 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 are your thoughts on the characters in the show yeah so uh, i think it's interesting that that ruth is like she's the central i mean she's the central character is that what you call her she's the main i think she's posited as the protagonist in that pilot episode yeah but i also think it's similar to orange is the new black in which you know piper is positioned as the protagonist as well but then we realize that she's actually a bit of a fucking dickhead and there's reasons to hate her and and it it it's a way into the next group of people the the other ladies in the season really or in the show yeah yeah but um but to have her then be the villain as well mm, is kind of interesting absolutely i mean very i think we so often see the male protagonist in shows they're allowed to have those complications and that's what makes them interesting Mm. um and that's like that's what draws you into them and wanting to explore whatever their story yeah like that's yeah like that's kind of expected now i think in tv yeah 
and it started like years and years ago, like with House. Like that was kind of the first okay. one. I was like, yeah. I've got problems, and um, but like I'm a fucking asshole, but like I'm interesting, and so we all we all love him. Um, whereas Ruth never gets to like we love you state, although I do love her personally. Oh, um, but yeah. yeah, but her I find her flaws fascinating, and I find also the flaws of Debbie fascinating. Um, and I find, you know, Melrose, like she's also like a bit of a baddie as well with her conflict with Cherry and her not wanting to get to know the women. And she's just kind of like, I'm just here to have fun and like, whatever. Like, I don't care about anything. Like, mm, who cares? But we yeah, kind of see that her disinterest comes from a place of like wanting to be interesting to others. And so she doesn't invest in other people because she's like, I, well, I'm the main character. So like, who cares about anyone else? Yeah. And it's just like. With every character that I think is meant to be a baddie, we get to know more about them. And we also see that with Mark, the husband, yeah. as well. Like, as much as he's always a fucking asshole, obviously, because he's a man in the 80s and he thinks he knows what he's meant to be. We do also see, have that beautiful scene with him and Debbie where he's talking about, like, you know, you didn't touch me for 42 days or whatever it was, like... And like, and that's not an excuse. I'm just saying like, these are like kind of the things that led to me wanting to go outside the marriage. Sure. Yeah. He has that one scene, but then later on. At the end, yeah. He well, comes but back I love that as well. The fact that he is trying to be a better version of himself, but also he has limitations just as Ruth has limitations, just as Debbie has limitations. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is always and more interesting. There's than, one more you know. character that I think is mm. uh, villainous, mm. uh, which is Sam. I think yes. I reckon yeah. that he often is like a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I think that's a great point about Sam. Like, And we have seen a male character like that before in which he's like the arsehole kind of manager. Yeah, Emilio Estevez in Mighty Ducks. <laughs> well, I was thinking of like Tom Hanks. Tom in, Hanks in, in a league of their own. Yeah. Yeah, the fucking same thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And I think like Tom Hanks and Emilio Estevez in those films, which is what made them great, is that we are meant to dislike these people. They are deeply flawed people, but it's when they are forced in a situation where they have to connect with the people that they either usually objectify or dismiss yeah, and they see them as people and they kind of get a better understanding and it enriches their own character. Fuck, that's good like, storytelling. Yeah, so like how he goes from, uh, which I, what I think is his high point of villain-dom. Mm. That's a word. Um, <laughs> it might be. Let's invent yeah. it. Sure. Um, which is in the second episode where he like hijacks the... Uh, the um, miscarriage oh yes um cherry just has to sit there and yeah so they've kind of already done it and then he weird it's just a weird scene where he sort of rehashes it and it's like let's go over like asserting his authority over the story about women's body and it's just it's really it's really Mm. bad and i bad news yeah and i think that's also like Paired up with, you know, he obviously is the director and so he feels and, you know, is the, the the boss in this situation. And so we see that when he writes his dystopian future story, which is, you know, this is a story purely filled with women and he can write whatever he wants. Yeah. And he centres the narrative around these women fighting over, like, the last man, the which last male him, specimen, I which assume. is him, of course. Yeah. 
Because I believe that episode starts with that short scene with him and his wife. That's right. Or his estranged ex-wife, I should say. Um, and how self like and how self serving he is and self centered he is, because you know he likes to think of himself as like this great creative force, but really, given the opportunity when you ha- like okay write something where like all the characters are female, he can't get out of his own perspective at mm, all. No. It's always <laughs> about him, about his experience as a man, oppo- you know, being opposed by like women. It's got nothing to do with the women at all. Yeah. Which is, it's which is like, so, so we're like, fuck you, Sam. But then we like learn more about him and we get attached to him and we see that the things that make us hate him are actually from a place of deep insecurity. And he's like, he's a sad little puppy as well. True. Yeah. And, but I think specifically in, in like, there's a, there's a bookend to that moment, which I mm. think is, when he takes Ruth to the abortion clinic yeah. and that moment where he's like, no, I'm not a boyfriend. I'm a husband. Yeah. We just hate kids. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like such a great scene. That oh my is, God. It's such a beautiful scene. A great point. But yeah, that, that is a great moment of like, we see the character arc there. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's yeah. a really great example in which we see him taking the narrative, the very female narrative of miscarriage of pregnancy and how traumatic or wonderful, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, asserting himself in that to get what he wants creatively out of that. And then we see his experience with Ruth, and it's got nothing to do with him asserting himself, but he, well, be, he no, just becomes supportive. He, he still is, like, in in terms of, like, the that, that setting, like, you know, He's asserting himself on her behalf, though. Well, but that's but that's the thing. It's like it's not coming from a place of insecurity. It's coming from a place of seeing what this woman is going through. Yeah. Seeing how absurd it is that it makes it better for her that she has a husband yeah. there. It's like friendship. He's, it's yeah. Pure he's seeing friendship. the things that are like control or are inflicted upon women. Um, you know, in 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 the need of having a man. And he kind of puts himself in there. He's like, I know this is insane, but I'm going to do it because I care about you as a friend, as a person, not as a woman. Yeah. And it's it's super effective. It is. It totally is. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic scene and endears everyone to Sam, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's always endearing in a way because he's fucking hilarious. And he call. I mean, it's it's incredibly cathartic not only for Debbie Egan but for the viewer to see Sam constantly shitting on Ruth. I mean, that's just hilarious. <laughs> that's that's so good. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, that's that's a very good point about Sam Sylvia. Absolutely. Um, did you have a point, or do you want to discuss more about that, or are you happy with that? No, I'm happy with that. All good with that. Yep. So, um, so <laughs> that's a very cute. So, so, so. This show is pretty much a love letter to wrestling. Absolutely it is, yeah. And personally, in my uh, formative years, <laughs> had a really brief wrestling phase. Mm-hmm. Like, I was a massive British Bulldog fan. Oh, yeah. Um, I played the video game with British Bulldog on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I think it was on the Sega or something. Might have been the N64, but yes, something like that, yeah. No, this was on watching it on television. Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm video, just saying v- my videos actually of British Bulldog was, I believe, on a video game. Anyway. Yeah. I think it was like an effort to impress some, some like new friend. Right. Was like a, a male friend. 
Of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what What else does an eight-year-old do except try and impress the opposite sex? Look, as an eight-year-old lesbian, I was just wrestling for the for the glory of it <laughs> to win. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and when I when I learned that wrestling wasn't real mm. i was completely shattered i i just like turned my back on the whole for i was just like betrayed lied betrayed. like oh, how could dear. you do this to me that and is I, very yeah tragic. i felt like you know when your parents tell you santa's not real mm. um which my parents never did my parents never told me i think i same with sex i never had sex talk with my parents so i just kind of like they didn't tell you that I, sex wasn't real no, I still do it to this day. Wow. I was like, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I never had the Santa talk or the sex talk. Um, that's, And this is a lesson to all your parents at home. If you don't do that, kids end up gay. So, uh, <laughs> lesson learned. I think it's more about Santa. Really. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Um, um, but no, no, no. Yeah, I, I found out it wasn't real and I was really like shattered. But, and it wasn't until I watch this particular show mm. that I sort of understood that what it is, what wrestling is, and yeah. then it's like really a legit art form. Yeah, totally. Um, and that it's, yeah, all it is is just really theatrical storytelling and I can't believe that it's I didn't panto see that with before. athletics. I didn't believe I didn't see that before yeah. because, you know, I, I'm an actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm... Can I just say, when Ruth is talking about doing, like, clowning workshops and stuff, I thought of you. I never did a fucking clowning <laughs> I know, but it seems like something that you would have done. And I would never <laughs> talk about it, even if I did. I don't think that's true, but okay. Yeah. No, see, I was I was very, very into wrestling. My, like, because we, I believe we had a Sega game. Or I, I can't remember what the, is it Sega American School? Anyway, we call it Sega in Australia. Um, oh, oh, we've had an intro American audience. We'd. A quarter of our listenership is American, wow. so yes. Um, and so I did that. And then we had another wrestling game on the N64. And then eventually, because we, we were, you know, poor kids, my my brothers and I. I grew up with two older brothers. We were poor kids. So we never had, like, pay-per-view or, um, yeah, channels from America, really. We just had, like, the three channels available in Australia. Is that what you consider poor? Yeah, all my friends. Oh, in the country. Yeah, all right. my friends had like. In the like, city, Oscar we could like go rollerblading. We didn't have to watch television. I was just herding sheep. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie. I was not that kind of country kid. Um. Anyway, so eventually, like wrestling came on to like, free to wear television in Australia, and so we would it would be on really late at night, and so we would tape it, and the next day we would watch it on our good old VHS. Uh, I am old. Um. Yeah. So we would watch it, and I loved it I loved wrestling so much I was so into it and then so we would watch it and then my brothers and I would go outside on the trampoline and we would you know Get obviously crushed. wrestle each other yeah it was fucking awesome I, I loved it and I remember once when I was I think I was maybe like 11 or 12 and I was sitting in front of the tv watching it and my brothers at that point had kind of grown out of it a little bit and I was watching it and I like the faces I was pulling like I was so into it and my brother Josiah, shout out to you. I'm pretty sure you listen, though I don't think you watch Glow. Anyway, um, he, he was, should. Yeah, he should watch it. He he looked at me. He's like, I've never seen someone more into anything or more like involved in a TV show than you are right now. Like I was like every punch. I was like, oh my god, and every like twist and turn of the characters. I was so there. 
I, I, I genuinely loved wrestling from like maybe ages nine to 13, I think. Yeah, I was, t- I was totally oh, invested. That's yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, I remember, like, I was obsessed with mankind. He had this thing yeah. where, like, because he was, like, the ultimate underdog. He was, like, a face, but, like, an underdog face. Yeah. And he had this stupid thing where he was, like, put a sock on his hand. And he was, like, he, I think it was called, like, sock or something. And he, he would, like, shove it down people's throats. <laughs> it was fucking dope. And The Undertaker, like, made me shit my pants because he was really scary. Yeah, I was totally there. And Kane, back when Kane was, like, big and scary and cool. Though I've recently seen him in wrestling now and he's less cool. All right. You're looking at me very confused. No, yeah. You I clearly are, yeah, like, I just have no idea who these, thrown like, away. <laughs> who these um, nine, wrestling, yeah. 90s wrestlers people are because, yeah. like, yeah, I pretty much gave up when Andre the Giant died. I mean, fair enough. I mean, they were, the, like, Andre the Giant, like, Hulk Hogan, like, they were the glory days. Yeah. Um, And I remember seeing that when I was very, very little, when it was huge. Yeah, well, I am ancient. You are ancient. Um, For those that don't know at home, Lauren is 94. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad she could make her way out of the home tonight to be here. It was very, it was very nice of her. Um, but yeah, no, like this show is totally a love letter to wrestling, but I don't think it's only just a love letter to wrestling. I think it's a love letter to sp- like the eighties and nineties sports movies. Yes. Like, well, I mean, we've talked about it already, like the mighty ducks yeah. and a league of their own Oh, and, and like uh, bad uh, news uh, bears. Uh, um, Rocky. Rocky. Yeah. Lauren's got a giant Rocky poster in a, in a lounge room that we're looking at right now. Because Rocky is possibly the greatest movie of the eighties. Oh no, I'm going to retract that. Yeah. It's that's just, a silly statement. It's just really good. Yeah. But yeah, like those, ki- like, and I'm particularly thinking like bad news bears where you've got like your ragtag team. Like, the, like, I love those movies. And I think we all, as a collective in Western society, fucking love those movies because yeah. they're awesome. Seeing a ragtag team come together and be triumphant, it's it's yes. always going to be satisfying. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, that's kind of – that was kind of part of what I was saying before about, like, how Sam – when he try when he writes his first script and he mm. tries to sort of reinvent the, the genre, I love that it doesn't stick because it's like yeah. no, we that, got the formula like yeah, that's it, not what it is. This works. This, yeah, we're not doing that. No, no, we're no, doing a different thing. <laughs> we're not making a B grade movie or a B movie. This yeah. is wrestling and it has a formula and it works because it does. I mean, wrestling is fucking huge now, bigger than it has ever been before is it yeah it's massive <gasps> oh, cool it's so big this is how in touch i am with the, uh, you're the so kids. out of touch yep like they do huge stadium shows every week every mm. week they do that and you know they come to australia and do huge stadium shows here like the wwe i think that's what they call now or the wwf it i must be on sorry, cable because at the home yeah, it, it, we don't it, have it, cable it is on cable yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's not on free to wear. That's how they make their money. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's massive. They make a huge amount of money from it, um, and it it's given us stars like The Rock and oh, Batista, who's okay. in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like these people are household names to a huge amount of people. I mean, I didn't know Batista until he was on Guardians, but I certainly knew The Rock. Like he was on it when I was watching it. As I a knew kid. that he was a wrestler, but I didn't think it was a huge thing. I thought it was like. He you was graduate like, from wrestling into movies. He was one of the biggest wrestlers at the time. And then he, because he was so big in wrestling, he was given his opportunities in acting. Cause he Do you all, actually he, know what, what I thought it was yeah. equivalent to? What? I thought it was equivalent to like gladiators. 
Mm-mm. You know, like the show Gladiators. I thought Maybe that's when, what Gladiate, was like. when Gladiators was like really big in like the early 90s. For three weeks. Yeah, for three weeks. Yeah. Like those three weeks, but that spanned about 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> totally comparable, those two <laughs> Gladiators. Oh, that's taking me back. Uh, when that, that Queen song would come up and they were like in the final challenge. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Good times. All right, I'm going to bring up one of my points right, now. Go ahead. Which is the story of Debbie and how it's about body ownership and female fucking anger. Look at you and your feminist (laughs) gender. I fucking love it. SJW. (laughs) Um, I love Debbie. Like, when I saw this actress, Betty Gilpin, I'm sorry if I said that wrong. When she comes in in that scene, when she finally knows that her like Mark and Ruth have been sleeping together. The anger on her face. She's full. It's fucking incredible. She is so good. And I didn't realise I had seen this actress before. Ah. Because Broad and I have recently done the show American Gods, which has come out mm. just a couple of months ago. And I was watching it and this show is very serious and mm. you know, it's like mm. yeah, it's like fantasy but very serious. Yeah, don't read anyway, this I've read the book. I don't rate the book. Oh, you, you don't rate it? No. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Interesting. Uh, wrong opinion, but that's fine. <laughs> so uh, I apologize. <laughs> you should. Wrong. You're on my show, so you're wrong. <laughs> um, so, and I saw this actress and she plays, because Emily Browning is the girlfriend of the main character and Betty Gil- Gilpin plays her best friend. Yeah. And I saw this actress who I'd never seen before and she blew my fucking mind. I'm like, that is some great acting. She made me laugh and it was like a really true, honest thing in a show that is, it's rare to find something true and honest in that show because it's so beyond. Right. Um, And then I watched Globe and I didn't realize it was the same actress until like I looked at the IMDb like after I'd finished the series. This woman is a fucking force. She is so goddamn talented. She's insane. I'm so glad she has this vehicle to do, like, everything that she wants to do. Yeah. And I encourage anyone, including you, Lauren, to, like, watch any interview with her. Oh, really? She's incredibly funny, <gasps> articulate, and passionate. She's, like, a – she's a, a stage actress. Like, she's she oh, works in New York. Like, that's her thing. And she's so incredibly talented. Anyway, that's kind of not on the point that I'm bringing up, but I just wanted to put that out there, how much I respect the work she's done on this show and how much she brings Debbie Egan to life, which is so important for this character. But the character of Debbie Egan, more to the point, is, you know, not only is she the perfect 80s wife, I think also like that resonates now, no doubt, when it comes to particularly female anger and not really having the opportunity to see that. Mm. And how she is the perfect embodiment of how important this opportunity is, not only for her, but the rest of the women in the show, and also for the women back then when the original Glow was being made. And, like, a lot of articles I was reading was, you know, from fans that were watching it who – Either, some were, some weren't fans of wrestling. But what drew them in was that they would see these beautiful, glamorous women and they would come out and they would do – because Glow was actually really interesting because they had like sketch comedy oh, and right. then wrestling. Like it was a, it was a big thing. It was, a, it was quite different to male wrestling in that yeah. way. Um, anyway, they would see these beautiful, glamorous women and then 
bam, all of a sudden they would come become these angry, furious <sighs> warriors and just like beat the shit out of each other. Like it looks like you watch it now, like because I watched the pilot, it looks fucking dangerous. Like I can't oh. believe they didn't all break their limbs. Right. Uh, but just seeing like that anger in a beautiful woman that up until then had really only been like, you know, your mum's friend who was like just weirdly beautiful when she was dropping off her kids. You know what I mean? But you never really got the opportunity to see the depth of like what they were feeling and how they could express anger. Because we see a lot and we see in the beginnings of Debbie, she's obviously very angry and we see her beat up Ruth and it's kind of like a, a cat fight, if you will. Um. And then she realizes that she's been so diminished at that point that she's going to be kind of the righteous woman and just kind of like, I'm the victim. And But she realizes that doesn't get her anywhere. Mm. It's when she channels that anger into her own body and she uses it. And it's fucking powerful to say. And actually really affected me. I was like, this is amazing to watch. Do you mean like when she decides... When she decides to become a wrestler, yeah, yeah, yeah. When she like takes control of it, yeah, she's like, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna channel it into something, something really positive, yeah. Because she has a fierce. really interesting phase where she is like, she you knows she's the star and rolling her eyes perpetually, mm. and just like, yeah. 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 And then when the you know when the patio town people come, is it when the patio town mm-hmm. people come? And she's just like flound, literally just floundering on, on the, the mat. <laughs> that is a great. That's a great bit of physical comedy, <laughs> and like the faces she's making, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and then she's like, oh, and then I'll be like, kids yeah. stay in school. Or <laughs> yeah, like, she's like, and I'm a mother, so I know what it means, like how important it is to be patriotic. And then she kind of like, you can see her internal like her brain working and be like, that was a fucking dumb thing. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she's just trying to be all those like symbols that she has been prized for being in the past, like the perfect mother and wife. And like, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it just comes together when she really, when she just, when she gets it and she goes mm-hmm. for it. Like yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to take ownership of something that you don't understand. Yeah, and it, it's not until she can kind of rejig her brain when she goes and sees the wrestlers and she's like, oh, it's a soap opera. Yeah. I've done that before. I know yeah. what that is. And so th- now she has the foundation of like, and we've spoken earlier about how it's panto, how it's kind of musical theatre. Um, she's got the foundation yeah. and then she can like build whatever creative space she wants in that, which is great. Yeah, okay. Mm. Oh, okay, now I'm understanding. This is what you mean by character-driven story mm. ah all right it's making sense <laughs> okay uh, were you completely just, lost before no, or? I'm not completely lost like I can like I, I can like vaguely understand what that means right. but um I I need specifics sometimes okay fair, I, enough. <laughs> yeah. fair enough I mean that's yeah I mean Brod's great at me saying something super vague and then making it something specific because <laughs> I'm not overly good at that either <laughs> yeah. yeah no fair, fair enough but yeah no that's what I mean like we when I say character driven, like every decision, every moment of plot is driven by who these women are. Yeah. And Debbie is she's obviously a very complex person, but we at the beginning we do and as much as she tells everyone that her leaving Paradise Co. was like her decision, it was the best decision she ever made. Yeah. But we see like the toll that's taken on her and that's not the truth of it. And Sam calls her out on that. 
And so she's completely isolated. And then she, when she first re-enters, she's also really not making any decisions at that point. She's just kind of like, well, I'm here and I'm rolling my eyes and like whatever. But when we ha- like have her have that realisation yeah, and then she like, it's like, oh, I know what this is. I yeah. can make my own creative space in this. This is art. I can do something with this. And then we see her character flourish. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she also, I mean, yeah, she gets, she needs it. She needs a little bit of a beating around the ears, though. Oh, totally. Like a bit. She needs it spelled out for her a little bit, which, are, you know, by Steel Horse when he's like, "We're not friends." Yeah. About his. That's heel. a bit of the dialogue that I think was a bit heavy-handed. Yeah, personally. I yeah. Think, I think because so like too. that ca- that comes out of nowhere and it's clearly related to her and Ruth. I was yeah. like, I don't think he would ever organically say that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. There's a couple of moments like that. Yeah. A little tiny bit of overriding. Yeah. I mean, this show isn't completely perfect. No. I pre- I think it's close. But it's, <laughs> but no. it's not entirely perfect. Look, it, some of it gets away with the f- with not being perfect because it's like it's about misfits and it's yeah. about not being perfect in a yeah. way. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I love when Ruth and Debbie go to – the wrestling brothers, Carmen's brothers. Yeah. And Debbie has that beautiful quote where she's like, and I've got the quote here. It's, you guys, I want to fly. I want to literally leave the ground and do some badass aerial shit. The audience is like, ah, like slack jawed. Maybe they shit their pants. Like, I thought that was. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, she sees that, like, she can impress people and be like something amazing that they haven't seen before. And she's excited by that. And so I'm excited by that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought that was great. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Ah, It's so, so ridiculous. (laughs) And fuck, how good is it to watch a show about just like women being mates and hanging out and being silly and Rod and I, yeah, have spoken about that before in which I've been like, when I was talking about Jessica Jones and also we've got like a special tidbit at the end of one of the episodes where we talk about Wonder Woman oh, and Wonder how Woman. I just like God. how I miss, but I don't realize I miss it or need it until I see it, which is just seeing female friendship yeah. on TV. <laughs> yeah. like you don't realize how much you miss it until you see it. And you're like, oh my God, I've been thirsting like crazy yeah. for this. And when you see it, it's like, fuck, this is good. Which I think like some of the weaker points in the show is when the women aren't together. Because yeah. I just want to see them together and yeah. like interacting and getting to know one another and like bouncing off each other in a positive way sometimes and in a negative way the other. And fuck, that's interesting. And 
yeah, I I think obviously female viewers will get that. I think they'll have a similar reaction reaction to yeah. what we're having. Um, but I think sometimes, and you know, Brad has acknowledged this in the past that he's like, oh, I didn't have that reaction, obviously because I don't feel starved for that representation <laughs> yeah. in a way that of bros we being are. bros. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bromance has been like a whole thing, whereas like women, that's generally like you have a sassy best friend while you pursue it's a all, man. It's, yeah, it's usually about conflict or competition. Yeah, yeah or, or like, oh, it's a, a, a love triangle or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's but yeah, not to m- say that it doesn't exist, but no. it's certainly rare to have um, really great female connections, certainly of this amount in one show. Yeah. And so many, so much of it just casual, like by, by the way, like here's a scene of these crazy women doing prank just calls a good and time and yeah. like going like roller skating and whatever it is and just making fun out. of sam's blood disco movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah like sitting down watching a movie yeah. together yeah. oh and oh and ruth when she's exploring her russian character mm-hmm. just the the way that she's so just silly and free yeah. and like she says some things that are really nonsensical and don't make sense and <laughs> like she's stupid she's, she's goofy yeah she's, she's goofy, goofy in a way that isn't geared to being attractive not, or endearing cute. to it's a not man cute it's all. not cute that's the thing is that she's actually like she's in a place where she's passionate um, and because of that, it makes her goofy because yeah. she's not aware of like how she looks to other people. She's in herself. She's in her own body. She's doing what she wants to do with it. And she's exploring, which is also something that we don't see very often yeah. at all, which is yeah, so much fun to watch. Yeah. Which is also like part of like what I find funny, like the contrast of like Ruth being in that space. And then we see Debbie who's like flailing on the mat. Yeah, she's still yeah. like she still hasn't quite got possession of herself yet. No. Whereas Ruth has kind of always had that in a way. She's yeah. always like being like, "Oh no, I'm going to do this and this is what I'm doing." Whereas Debbie's like, you know, yeah, has had that outside view of herself because she's like the all-American girl and yeah. she's beautiful and she's meant to be this this and this, yeah. Even when Ruth is failing spectacularly like in the pilot when she starts doing that monologue from cat on a hot teen roof but like yeah in, <laughs> yeah, in like um i love that in wrestling i feel like a no. cat on a hot tin roof <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. so good um haven't i suffered enough <laughs> <laughs> so good yeah it's great and it's just not landing yeah. <laughs> no amazing. one is getting no one's buying it no amazing. one's buying that ticket yeah yeah but she's but she, you know as much as no one's buying it fuck she's trying to sell it yeah and she's totally there and she's like grabbing the ropes <laughs> and it's like her tiny little arms are like bending with it it's, yeah it's embarrassing but fuck it's cool to watch someone who's just like i'm gonna do it yeah i've got this uh, even if they don't it's fun to see yeah she's totally. so she's so ridiculous <laughs> gosh i love her so much i love all of her like cringy actor nerdy things like in the like in the uh, pilot, by the way, mm. s- spoilers for the segment ahead. I'm getting my, it. Yeah, <laughs> is my favorite episode. <laughs> um, Fair call. Fair call. Yeah. I, I, I love when they first come in, and she's like, uh, uh, "Are there any sides? Like, I didn't see any sides." <laughs> <laughs> 
I just loved in when they first go to like the gym and they don't really know what's happening yet and she just turns to Arthur and she's like, just so you know, it's not, it's oh, not no, to Carmen, I think, yeah. Yeah, just so you know, it's not porn. It's like <laughs> kind of like vaguely nodding. <laughs> so yeah. that might have been yeah. a concern. Yeah, that was very good. That was very, very good. She's so, it's just so well written, all, <laughs> this, all the stuff about, uh, you know, I did a few plays uh, at a yeah. little place called In Ohio. the Omaha Playhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love is that, like, she's obviously been doing this for a while and she's very passionate about it. But from that evidence, she's never got a job. No. She just keeps no, going well, that's away. that's so bloody yeah. heartbreaking. And yeah. as a, um, as one who's been to many auditions mm. and, let's be honest, not booked very often. <laughs> um, booked, that's what we say in the business. Oh, oh thanks yeah. for clarifying. Um, I was confused. Yeah. Um, that, what the casting director says to her in the bathroom about... Oh, oh my god! Uh, she says. So she says. Uh, every director says. This is not a direct quote, by the way. I'm just like remembering it <laughs> blazed onto my brain. Mm. Every director says, "Bring me someone new, someone I have never seen before." And so I bring them new to show them they don't want that. Yeah, they don't and actually want. They that. don't actually mm. want that, and that is just like fucking heartbreaking that's really harsh because but like yeah. to be honest, she's not that great like she's no she's not at she's all she's kind of shit she's she overcooks everything yeah. she's doing yeah because she thinks too much yeah that's always Ruth's problem is she thinks too fucking much she's like yeah she's very rarely present yeah she's always thinking about like what are people thinking of me or what's happening next or yeah um, yeah, she's certainly not – I don't think she's a great actress, but it's sad to know that she isn't booked because she's not a great actress. It's the fact no, that she isn't the booked that she because she looks a bit She looks bleh. and she's she's not the bombshell or she's yeah. not the super nerd that can play the super nerd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's just in, in the middle. She's a normal woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel you, Ruth. <laughs> you feel I mean, I'm pain? cute, but, you know. You are cute, but. <laughs> You're Alison Brie cute. Yeah, I am. But Alison you're not Brie. Debbie Egan bookable, which is sad. Look, <laughs> I can't compete with those things. By those things, you mean her boobs? I know. Boobs? Like, you know, maybe when I'm breastfeeding <laughs> one day. But, God damn. Um, you should hear the way that Betty Gilpin talks about her breasts. It's very funny. Oh, great. She, um, I believe quite a few times I've heard her called them. Um, Manatee pups filled with pudding, which is just a fabulous description of boobs. What's a manatee pup? So a manatee. Yeah. No. Like a sea dugong. Oh, okay. Sorry. A pup, so a baby of those, <gasps> filled with pudding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so there you go. I thought that was fucking gorgeous. <gasps> yeah. So she's she's very self-conscious about how people perceive her, which is actually very endearing. Have you ever heard Helen Mirren talk about her breasts? It's. I wish I had. No. <laughs> Like, because when she, you know, back in the, oh, back in the day, she got a lot of, like, real leery weirdos on Domestic television. Domestic leery weirdos? Yeah. Yeah. Um, talking, like, making comments about her chest. And she just had none of it. She her bubble just, yeah, yeah. She just, like, owned so many television hosts. That's awesome. For talking about her breasts <laughs> and not about her acting. <laughs> 
That's great. Yeah. As she should. I think maybe it was Parkinson or something. Yeah. I saw like a yeah, yeah, yeah. a gif or whatever of her like shutting him down. That's the most famous one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then yes, I have I've I've seen a little bit of that. All right. So my next point is about lady entertainment. So it this kind of comes from something that Bash says, which is and I mentioned it much earlier in the podcast, which was the kind of Pac-Man and Mrs. Pac-Man example he gives of like wrestling and lady wrestling. Yeah, Pac-Man with a bow. Yeah, exactly. So it's exactly the same, just with a vagina, really. Um, and we, I've actually noticed we kind of see this today. We've got Lady Ghostbusters. We've got huh. Lady Ocean's Eleven. That kind of stuff, in which it's exactly the same property. Nothing is really changed other than the characters have vaginas. Right. And as much as this kind of being herald- heralded as something super feminist and awesome and this is great, I don't really think that it's inherently feminist simply to put a bow on something yeah. personally. But I think in the world of Glow, as much as Bash... Right, yeah, sorry. Mm. Just especially considering that it's a remake of something that's already male. So you've so you've got that in your mind that it's like, it's a novelty now. Yeah, but that's exactly girls. it. Totally. So, but I think it's interesting with Glow. Well, that might be where it begins, where it's just like, you know, Hulk Hogan with wearing a dress. I think simply because of the inherent nature of wrestling... And I brought this up early with Debbie Egan in which it's about violence, about aggression, and it's about their physicality, really, uh, that isn't innately or inherently sexual, though, of course, it can be interpreted that way. Um, So I think Glow is kind of, while it is, you know, Pac-Man with a bow just off the bat, I think by the simple situation of what wrestling is, it actually kind of critiques the feminine expectation of what women are allowed to do. Because I watched that pilot of Glow, mm. um, and this is obviously not the Netflix one, the yeah, original yeah. Glow. It is full on. Like there's no denying the physical toll these women are going through. Like, And the way they play anger off each other is fucking incredible. And it's like obviously back in the 80s, like, Placing women in roles that are violent and angry, just not really done. Yeah. And I think looking at that now through like the modern era, 2017, through the like the Netflix lens is really fucking cool. And I it's I don't want it to be compared to something like Ghostbusters, Lady Ghostbusters yeah. or anything like that. Like I think this is how you do it right. What if- about female superheroes? Like you know, I, I, I don't see that as Pac-Man with a bow either because right. Wonder Woman is her own thing and she was obviously invented p- later than Superman, but she's her own person. Yep. She's, she's not Superman. She does her own thing. Yeah, th- once again, that's character-driven kind of stuff. It's not just the mm. exact same thing because um, they all have one, they've you know got unique powers Different positions, different backstories, different motivations, yeah. which is important. It's not just simply, and it's not. It doesn't feel novelty. I think, unfortunately, 
the media often makes it seem novelty when so much of the focus is on the fact that the yeah. fact that it's a woman, which is un- which is unfortunate. I think it is important to acknowledge because it is a rarity, but I think such a focus on it sometimes detracts from the actual what it what it actually is, which is a shame. But no, I I I I don't think Glow the Netflix show is obviously it's not Pac-Man with a bow as much as like maybe the original show was thought of right. um, as that way. And I think it's – and once again, it goes back to the character-driven plot. And same with female superheroes. We get yeah. to know their own personal motivations of things. Yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to draw the – because I that kind of really struck me when Bash said that. I was like, that's so fucking true and it's still happening. And God, it's infuriating. Like when I heard – Lady Ghostbusters was coming out. Mm. I was like, oh, that's a bitch. That's shit. And then I saw the backlash. I was like, fuck you. We should be able to have our own Ghostbusters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because people are such yeah. venomous, awful people. Um, but I, I, that trend, the fact that it's continued through from the 80s, like 30 years now, the fact mm. that it's still happening, it's, it's so disappointing. Yeah. And it, I feel like it's unfair because then you can't, you feel like you can't judge something based on its merits. Like you, exactly. As a woman, especially, you have to be like, you have to be supportive. Yeah, I love when women get roles, and <laughs> sometimes they're not that great. Like there's this amazing. I have to, I have to link it to you. Mm. There's a some. Um, I think I saw it on Funny or Die, which is a um a, a skit about a support group for people who don't women who don't like Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great have you seen wonder woman yeah did you like it no nah. no nah, yeah. it was fine it was fine right i wouldn't recommend people see it right like i'm okay. not i'm not going around going oh my gosh go see wonder woman <laughs> the way that i'm like watch glow yeah um yeah no fair yeah, cool. yeah um, i'm certainly not yeah recommending Wonder Woman to people. Yeah, and it's hilarious because at the end of that skit, they're all just like, yeah, I mean, it didn't really get, like, I mean, there were women in it, but they Mm. were all, like, hot bitches living on a paradise island. (laughs) (laughs) Like, perfect athletic bodies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warriors. Yeah, totally. Um, Doesn't really relate to our female experience. That's true, yeah. And then at the end, they're like, oh, but I loved Glow. Oh yeah, I love yeah, I loved it. Don't don't say a bad word about it. <laughs> Actually, you need to legitimately link me to that. And no, I'll, I will. I will. I'll yeah. put it on the show notes <laughs> yeah, if, I, if yeah. I can legally do that. That sounds really good. I mean, I personally really enjoyed Wonder Woman. It uh, it moved me to tears well, and points. Gal Gadot is possibly the it's hottest. Gal Gadot, thing. which is are so you serious? Dis- it's so it's disappointing real- to tell oh, you that. Okay, it's Gal Gadot. I no longer have a crush on her. <laughs> You know, I jizzed my pants when I when she came on screen. Yeah. I was like, oh. I w- do you know, I watched it. Woman. I watched mm. it in a cinema uh, alone with it was just me and my boyfriend alone in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you and just like, gave him a we, quick hand job. No, time. we were Gal pretty much like it was. Screen. We were pretty much having a threesome with her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people are just born to be filmed. Yeah, and she's one of them. Yeah, yeah totally. No, that, I I'm gonna agree with that. But you know, I I did like Wonder Woman. It's just that third act that was disappointing. 
That's totally off, off point, but yeah, when yeah, I liked the bit when Professor Moody just like disappeared and then reappeared. <gasps> Professor Moody? No, no, sorry, um, Lupin. Lupin, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, get your references. Uh, yeah, come on, Passing you can't represent nerddom if you want to get it wrong. Jeez, oh, I'm oh. only half a nerd. The comments will just be firing up oh about God. that. Oh dear. Do you have any other points that you want to bring up? Yeah, I just wanted to basically say that. Um, so. I'm I'm prepping for our next show. I'll mm-hmm. be back, guys. That's right. Next yeah. week we'll be doing Handmaid's Tale, which is very exciting. Yeah. So I, I've been watching that, and um, and uh, as well as like brushing up on this, mm. and my thoughts were that okay, this is not a perfect show by any standards. How dare you? But go on. It's not, and. How dare you? No, look, there are storylines here that I'm sure they'll get fleshed out maybe, but I just right, well, don't I care for them. Well, I want you to delve into that a bit here later if you're going to bring that he- up. Here we go. I don't care about Bash and his mum at mm-hmm. all. It takes up way too much valuable real estate in episode nine or eight or whatever You know what I is. think about that? What? I think that's going to come up in later seasons. Don't care. The next season. Don't care. Because I think Bash is gay. Okay, fine. Yeah. But still, plant your seeds. See, I'm, you will, I'm down for Bash, though, because of how he, like, stands up for Carmen on quite yeah, a few Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's great. I'm down but, like, for him. We, oh, I just feel like we don't, just haven't heard about – we've heard about Mum. I'm pretty happy mm. to just keep hearing about Mum. Don't need to see Mum. I didn't like episode nine. Okay. But Spoilers for yeah. the <laughs> least favourite episode. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, I also d- didn't care for Justine and her boyfriend. Just yeah, I mean, fair. That's fair. But I think the reason they did that was so... Yeah, Do you mean not. like so that you think, so that you don't always think that she's... Want, Got a heart on for her dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's what the distraction there was yeah. but no i agree it certainly wasn't wasn't titillating or fascinating in any way compared to the other stuff that we got yeah, yeah no i agree I and agree. then there's weird weird single scenes as characters like mm. sam and his ex-wife which is actually a great scene and i really liked her i really liked their shtick i like the him dog pretending bit. the dog was yeah. dead and then yeah. um i hated the the um, the real balls of the brain. I thought that oh, was yeah, yeah, the yeah. lame joke. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, but no, it but, but it works in terms of him being a pathetic loser, thinking that he's yeah. A but genius. I don't think he's that unaware of what's insightful. I think at that point he might be. I don't know. About no, that. I think it fitted at the time. I'll fight you, but okay. I'll just lie down and you'll scratch my belly, and then we'll be friends. Okay, that sounds good. I don't like conflict with the masks. She's very scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's true. I'm not going to deny it. Um, that's why we live together so well. <laughs> um, my next point was, yeah. Oh, yeah. The other thing that I didn't appreciate mm. in terms of getting away from what, what I was interested in in the mm. story is, so there's another scene with Debbie and her mum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was, uh, mm. that just felt logistical to me. I felt like we needed to know where her 
kid was going. And one, also, we get a reference because Bash calls her trailer trash. And she's like, I'm not trailer trash. So I think maybe her home life might play into things later. Which, once again, I know you don't care about because yeah. we're just talking about the season. Yeah. But, yeah. Yep. No, yeah. I, I get I mean, you. I, get I do you. understand how multiple series television works. No, I don't think you do. I think you're an idiot. Okay, <coughs> fair enough. I'll roll over again. <laughs> um. <laughs> but with all those things, oh, I also, I don't know. This is just my personal opinion. Mm. I didn't really, I didn't really dig Sam's history with Cherry storyline. I thought that was just. It it felt abandoned to me. Yeah. It felt like an idea and then it went nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that as well, I think. Also because it was brought in so early. Mm. I thought it was going to be a really big thing and I thought it was going to be a part of his character growth. But his character growth really only came with Ruth. Yeah. So I'm not sure why they did that. Again, it feels like something from the pilot that mm-hmm. they abandoned along with um, Alison Brie's boobies. Oh. Is that her name? Alison Brie? Yeah. Right? I can't yep. believe they abandoned her boobies. Yeah. So rude. It's not a perfect show, but I, in the spirit of the show, I almost mm. give it that leeway because that's kind of what the what it's kind of all about. It's just like giving it a, giving it a go. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it didn't bother me as much as it might have bothered me had there been, like, multiple episodes yeah. of The Handmaid's Tale. I think Tale while like, oh. those things are not as sharp as the rest of the show, I don't think anything you've mentioned detracts from the show. And that says a lot because I've experienced a lot of poor television recently thanks to this podcast. Right. And so if they're your critiques, if they're your things like, uh, eh, didn't work for me, that's saying a fucking lot. Oh, you and know I what's... realize that's in comparison to Handmaid's Tale, which is also right. fucking great. But you know what's saying a lot? Mm. Is that I watched the whole thing. <laughs> is that saying a lot? Yeah, that's saying a lot. Like okay. I watched the whole thing voluntarily before I knew that I'd be to have to talk about it with you. You know? That's yeah. that's huge for me. And God it's damn it, there needs to be more twenty minute episodes of television out there because I ain't got that kind of time. Oh, that's actually a point I want to bring up. Yeah. Was it's just a very small point. And as I've said earlier, Broad and I have been watching a lot of Netflix series lately. Right. As as Glow is. Glow is a Netflix property. And they've all been thirteen episode seasons mm-hmm. an hour each. Yeah. No, you don't need that and much consistently time. Broad and I like I like every no doubt, like every episode that we have talked about a Netflix show, a subject that comes up every single time, it's too long. Yeah. They don't have enough story. And I like I don't think that amount of story exists in like a natural arc. Thirteen hours? That's so long. <laughs> it's just it's bad. And it like and you feel the weight of it. You're like, this is just Yeah. Oh, it's going for too long. And so when I found this shorter, was it ten episode season that was made by Netflix that was like twenty minute episodes. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It was just like this is really clear, concise storytelling. They knew how much time they needed. They took it, they did their thing, made a beautiful story. Yeah. But if you don't have – if Netflix goes, hey, how about a 13-season, 
30-episode season, an hour each, you don't just go, oh, yeah, cool, and then hope that you've got enough story because guess what? You fucking don't. Yeah. I'm yet to see a show that does have 13 hours worth of story. It doesn't exist. Mm. It does not fucking exist yet. Mm. Maybe one day it'll come. Haven't seen it. Have not seen it. And it's made my life a living hell, just so you know, Netflix. (laughs) Take note. But Glow was perfect. It was concise and gorgeous and they did what they needed to do. Yeah. And they had 14 fucking characters. Yeah. And while we don't get everything from every single one, I don't think we need to in season one. No. I think this is great. We'll get to know more later. That's fine. So they do so they do it more readily with comedy. The shorter episodes, right? Yeah. But I feel I'm, like yeah, I'm trying to think if we've watched another Netflix comedy. Maybe we haven't. That shows in But Orange is the New Black likely. is like a dramedy in the way that this is a dramedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It okay. kind of balances the two. Yeah. And is that short? I can't remember. No, it's thirteen. No, it's long, isn't episodes, it? That's what I mean. Hour long you episodes. know what? I you know, I gave up on orange is the new black because Fair enough. basically I know a lot of people that did. yeah basically no but it, it was really specific reason it was because I, I found it too long to sit there like in the same setting like in the prison <laughs> and even though like it's full okay. of flashbacks and blah 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 mm. like to be in that prison with the same looking at the same costumes and the same scenery all the time I was like I don't think I can do this for an hour <laughs> all the time and I would have been much more likely to keep watching it if it was shorter. I mean, 20 minutes. Yeah. I Yeah, I certainly don't think that show needs to be an hour long mm. or 50 minutes per episode. I think it's absurd. It definitely doesn't need to be 13 episodes. 10, 9, 8. So just something a lot shorter would be fine with me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So length is gold. Length is gold. That's a That's a good way to end that. All right. So do you have any other points you want to bring up? so much points i just want to like say some stuff just say stuff we've got then. a thing, we've got we'll a thing where man. we say stuff the quick fire comments oh uh, yeah that's what it's called is that what you want to do quick fire comments C- quick fire all right comments. so what happens with quick fire comments is uh. so you you will spout off your quick fire comments yeah i'll have a little buzzer if i have something to add to that all right quick fire comments let's go start the clock the very first scene i think sets up exactly what the whole show is like it's her it's the perfect teaser scene which in every pilot it'll have like the usually like a four act structure and but before the four acts there's a teaser scene which tells you the thesis of the show and this show does it perfectly. it's so beautiful it's so well done it's like what is it the position of all these characters it's ruth Desperately going for something that is non... She, like, she has no opportunities. Yeah. And she's just flailing in the wind. Yeah. yeah. No, it's perfect. Yeah, Amazing. totally. Uh, I'm lonely and my cock works great. Perfect Tinder profile. Yep. Yeah, I'm stealing it, actually. Yeah, I, I think you should. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> oh, bloody... Uh, like, how weird would it be to have to have video on your Tinder... Oh, I feel so bad for the people in the yeah. past. It's so awful yeah, for them. They had, no wonder they ended up with all the wrong people. Like, no wonder everyone's divorced. Yeah. They had no options. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> oh, old <old> people. <laughs> okay. So, pretty much everything, all of the scenes between um, Sam and Justine in episode 10, starting with, I'm sorry, I tried to fuck you. That was beautiful. What a 
wonderful father-daughter moment that was. <laughs> Particularly when the mum's just like, do you want any coffee? Like the perfect mother it's in the background. So yeah. <laughs> and then Justine backing it up again with, you want to make out again? Oh, so good. So, so good. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So amazing. Oh, I've got another one. Mm-hmm. I love that they stole the Back to the Future audience. It was perfect yeah. because, like, <laughs> poor Sam. I didn't even speak about this. Poor Sam had the, like, a vague idea of Back to the Future and then it was made into one of the biggest films oh. ever. And then perfectly at the end, yeah, the ladies steal the Back to the Future audience. Wonderful. It was, yeah, it was so good. Look, everything else we already, like, surreptitiously covered in the rest of our conversation. Yeah. All right, time for my quick fire comments. Look, I do not have a lot for this show because I've watched it before and I feel like all of those like bam bam comments that you, you have or that you say to yourself had already gone from my brain. So yeah. I've just got like maybe a couple. Yeah. Really. Um so if you have something to say, just buzz in. Buzz in. in. Yeah. Buzzer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So the first one. Uh, when Ginny says she watches a lot of TV in general, I imagined her character being so happy living in the present day with all the great TV. I think she knew might have been Kindred Spirit. I think we might have been. Yeah, like the random trivia, like TV trivia that no one else cares about. But I was like, oh, fuck, that's good. Um, all right, the next one. Bash's home is exactly what Tom Hanks' character from Big would have had if he eventually developed a drug habit. I can't remember Big. Can't re- you need to rewatch Big. It's <laughs> fucking great. It's so fucking good. I get it really confused with Turner and Hooch. What? Yeah. Uh, in, just because of Tom Hanks. Yeah. Oh, it's so, <laughs> like, it's the one where, like, he's, like, the teenage, like, the boy. Man. And he goes to, like, that little magical machine. And he's yeah. like, I wish I was big. I remember the start. And then in my mind, it's like, I wish I had a dog as a friend. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> so, you are terrible. All right. Okay. The next quick fire comment is, this is a quote. You're never really too young to know about this country's racial history. And I just, like, love the KKK fight so much. Uh, uh, yeah, and I thought it was a complete shame that it didn't make it to the final cut I of know. their pilot. It's <laughs> so amazing. It was so funny, like, the beat-down biddies yeah. and stuff. Dress up as the KKK. I fucking loved it. It was so much fun. Um, all right, my final one. Also another quote. Sam says to Rhonda, are you rapping? To which she replies, um, I'm speak singing like Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady. Yes! And I thought of you when they came on. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I just love the acknowledgement that she was speak singing like Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady. So I just appreciated that. I thought that was a, a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. All right. So that's the end of Quick Like Comments. A very short segment this week, but that's just, I think we were just enjoying our Time watching Glow. We didn't have time to yeah. write silly little comments. It's it. Quickfire comments works much better when you hate a show. Oh, really? And you're just like <laughs> shitting on it for the entire time. Um, all right. So we are at the point of favorite and least favorite episodes. Yeah. Do you have a favorite episode, Lauren? Oh, I think it's pretty clear. My favorite episode was the pilot. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And why? 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 You, oh, you've already kind of spoken on I that. I mean, I've kind of like spoken about. Um, first of all, uh, I mean, in general. I, lo- I think I love this show because I really love origin stories. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the kind of person who I like the first 
two thirds of any Marvel origin film, <laughs> and then yeah. I don't care about the battle at the end. Like I'm, I just want to. I'm similar to that as well. I don't really care about battle scenes. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I just want to. I just want to know how you got that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole, se- this whole show being an origin story was like, uh, ugh, ugh, right up my alley. And then <laughs> yeah. the origin of the origin, which is the pilot, yeah. was even yeah. It just spoke to me. Also being, you know, having those actor moments in there, it really, mm. I really felt And you felt love that. Elles and Bree's breasts. I loved right? her yeah. boobies. They're your favourite. And yeah. I love that late, the lame is bit. <laughs> um, oh, every time you bring that so up, it, much. it gets me every I time. I love it it's so, so much. Um, yeah. And not to mention like the end scene when when you see, like we talked about before, you see Debbie and mm. you, cause she comes in. She's so like so angry. Oh, she's right there. She scares the shit out yeah, of me. She's in, she's crazy yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. She's so great in that scene. Yeah. And that yeah, the the way that they get to play out their anger in a hilarious way. Ah, I just love the way that it set it sets it up and it's completely like it could end there, really, for me. Like I mm-hmm. wouldn't really care about <laughs> watching. I mean, if it wasn't just like right there at a click and yeah i would be satisfied just to watch yeah. that yeah fair enough my favorite episode god it was really hard yeah i, I love this show so much that picking a favorite i was like i don't want to um and i was tossing up between the pilot for obvious reasons that you stated or debbie does something and because is that episode six that is episode five oh, actually okay. um Episode six is the one where Ruth goes with the Russian. Um, Debbie Debbie does something is when Debbie goes to the wrestling match with Carmen and Melrose. Yeah. Um, And because, look, honestly, every episode is my favourite episode. Yeah. But because you've chosen the pilot, I'll choose Debbie does something. Yeah. And like I said, seeing Debbie, who has gone from being the great best friend to the incredibly angry force that we see in the pilot to being this complacent kind of self-righteous, I'm not going to do any of the work diva to someone who gets it. It's like, oh, this is what it is. And she takes those first steps towards independent. Fucking great. And like I said, I love this show because it's character driven. And I think this is a really, really important moment. I think integral moment for Debbie and that's why I fucking love it. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. All right. Least favourite episode. You got one for us? I do. Mm-hmm. It was pretty clear for me. Yeah. Uh, episode eight. Do you know what it's called? I don't. Uh, let me look it up. I've got it just here. It is Maybe It's All the Disco. Oh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> episode eight. I thought yeah. that for me was the weakest. Like The roller skating and Sheila's birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Mainly because like I've. But it's got your favourite sand moment in it. It does have my mm. favourite sand moment in it. But it was all about her. Is she pregnant? And you know that she's pregnant. Like, mm. come on. We know as soon as the, 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 the first scene with all like, oh, we all need tampons because we're all moon <laughs> sisters. Yeah. Um, it doesn't happen, by the way. It does happen. Not in my experience. It's always happened to me. Always. Aren't you the one that dominates people, though? I always dominate people, yeah. <laughs> If I go into a group, which is very funny because I'm actually a really passive person, but whenever I go into a group of of females, um, your womb, my womb 
rules one w- womb to rule them all. Hang on, is pretty I think I've got it. Your womb rules the womb. <laughs> 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 rules the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I want that on a t-shirt. That's becoming merch. <laughs> My womb rules the room. I mean, it's true, and I don't know why. Maybe I'm just super fertile. I don't know. I'm a lesbian, so I'll never find out. But <laughs> that's what's happening. Anyway, let's go back to Liz's favorite. <laughs> Because this is what happens when two ladies talk about TV. Menstruation just comes yeah. up. What can I say? Um, yeah, I just didn't I didn't dig the whole birthday Sheila uh, pregnant. I don't know. It didn't – it felt like a sidebar, mm-hmm. the whole episode really. Um, you know, it was still fine. And like you said, it had one of my favourite scenes in that episode, which is the abortion clinic scene. Yeah. Because I like pink donuts too. And I really felt connected to that moment. Yeah, good. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I I mean, I always got the pink donut because I had two brothers. Because you get like in, I don't know if this is worldwide, worldwide, but in Australia, if you go to like a supermarket and you get like a three pack of donuts, you get a chocolate one, a brown one, a yellow one, and a pink one. Yellow was my eldest brother's favorite color. Brown, Josiah got, which is my other brother, and I would always get the pink. You Not because I liked it, just because I'm a girl, and so I'd always be designated pink. So I don't even know what those other colors taste like, to be honest Pineapple. with you. Pineapple. Gross. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, like, there's mm. no – it's hard to choose a week episode, but I definitely – It's it's actually – it's genuinely yeah. hard. Yeah. What's yours? I, too, had – real issues with maybe it's was it maybe it's disco yeah i found the whole sheila doesn't want to celebrate her birthday we're going to celebrate her birthday i feel like i'd seen that before on tv quite a few times which bothered me because i had found the show while an homage to a lot of things innovative Mm. in its own sense but i didn't actually think that storyline was particularly innovative and but then I've also got moments in um, the one episode seven live studio audience, which is when they have their first performance. Yeah. I found the ending of that a little lame. Remind me when they're all like rapping together. Oh, in the oh thing. yeah. Um, and I once again understand it's a, an homage. But I also think this show is smart enough that it can be an homage while also satirizing the idea of them all coming together and rapping, whereas it felt super sentimental in a way that didn't feel fresh to me. I Especially guess. after in the in the scene where we f- where we first hear the rap, it really feels like it's a joke. Yeah, and then they use it, but they like, take it Hang seriously. On. Um, but. Oh, once again, I want to reiterate, I fucking love this show and I don't actually have a least favourite episode, but I'll, I'll go with episode seven, live studio audience, um, mostly because of that ending. It felt sentimental in a way that was a little contrived for me, I guess. So I'll go, I'll go with that one. And what does that say about the show when your one of your favourite moments is also in your least favourite episode of the I, KKK fight? I think it means that this is a fucking great show and yeah. while like it, it's not perfect like we've said before, yeah. it's like every episode has something great in it, which yeah. is very exciting. Is it getting a second season? Do we know? Um, I, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I would be shocked if it 
did, but because it's been very successful. Well, it um, better be good. It better be good. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, that brings us to our rating out of five. What's your rating for it? Or do you want me to go first? Oh, you you go first. I am giving this five out of five. I love this show. Wow, that's huge. I love this show. I think, like I said earlier, character-driven story is always going to be a winner for me. And I think the beautiful, intricate layers of our two leads, well, actually our three leads, we've got Ruth, Debbie and Sam. And there is something to both hate and love about each of them. And at no point am I like, why are they doing that? Because they allow me into their worlds where I understand whether I agree with it or not what they're doing and where they're coming from. And I want them to succeed. Whether they will or they won't, it's it's not up to me ultimately, but I, I want them to. I'm there for them. And I I'm feel awful when they feel awful. But then I also laugh when they feel awful. Like that's the beautiful balance of their comedy that they have. And I feel triumphant when they're triumphant. And I, it's so fucking good, this show. I enjoyed it every step of the way. I think this is a show that I would recommend to everyone. Every, like there are some things that I love, like Avatar, that yeah. I would not recommend to everyone. Glow is a show I would recommend to every single person I know. Because I just think it's wholeheartedly good and it is – I think every single person can get something from it. Mm. it. It's fucking great. It's such good television. I'm so excited to watch it. What about you? What's what's your rating? I, I'm i going to go with four out of five. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I loved it also. But there was – I agree with everything you're saying – but it didn't completely pass my test of not looking at my phone during it. <gasps> yeah. Oh like, my God, Lauren. Yeah. I, I don't it's have not the, the show's fault you have an addiction no, problem. No, that's not. It's not. But also, like, things have grabbed me before mm. that I don't do have that behavior on. Mm, um, right. Uh, yeah, I just I think it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you. I would yep. I would recommend it for people to watch, have done. Um, but there's it's just like not quite tight enough for me. Okay. It's a little loose, and I like that about it. But I, I still think I want to give it room to grow. Basically, yep. that's what that's my that's my rating mm-hmm. choice. Is yep. I feel like it can't be five. For me, right at the moment, yeah, it's a strong four. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I just, I think also what helps me give it a five is that it is nice to see a show that is good, if not great, that is also fun. Because I think at the moment we are in like amazing television is being made consistently. But unfortunately, a lot of that great television isn't always fun to watch. Yeah. And this is. And I, that's the kind of TV I love. Like, I love Parks and Recreation. Right. I love The American Office because they're fun. They're great 
stories. They're true stories about people. I think they have some of the best depictions of love and heartbreak that have ever been written in television. But she's, they are, she's tearing up. I am. <laughs> I fucking love this shit. But like they are fun and you want to hang around these people. Whereas, you know, a lot of the very serious and dour television Look, you've now. I've been watching is, lots of Marvel I, Universe stuff and that is I wish that's what I was talking about. I was oh, actually really? talking about good TV. Oh. Um but you know, like, you know, you got your breaking bars and your handmaid's tale, right, which are yeah. they're not fun to watch. They're gr- they're great to watch yeah. and I think they're important to watch, but they're not fun. And I that's what I love about TV. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah. I want it to be fun for me. I that's I've well, always had a preference I mean, to comedy. That that sounds about right because I love to be in pain. Yeah, that's you're such an emo. Yeah. All right, so now that we've come to the end, I'm gonna ask you, which we ask every week. Do you want to keep watching? I think we've already answered that yeah. pretty much. Yeah. We're both going to keep watching this amazing show. So do you have any predictions, hopes or concerns for future seasons or what's to come? Do you want me to go first? I'm happy to go first. Yeah, go on. Yeah. So my prediction is, which I've mentioned earlier, is like like Orange is the New Black, I think we're really going to delve into the side characters that maybe we didn't get a lot you know, get an opportunity to see a lot of, like, you know, the Viking character mm. and also um, I think her name's Arthie, who is yeah. the Indian chick and who's Jenny. also a med student and Jenny and all that stuff. I think we'll see a lot more of her. Um, I also think that as, because, you know, in reality, Glow got quite big and they had fans, I think we're going to see the girls deal with that as well. I also think that we'll see more of the delving into the negative side effects of mm. playing either the villain Oh, sorry, the heel or the face. I think the girls will realise that their wrestling personas are kind of, well, naturally who they are perceived to be mm. and trying to deal with that. So that's that's my prediction. My hope is that it continues to be a fantastic show. Um, my concerns, I don't have a lot of concerns actually. I think the writers and the creative team have given, I think they've earned... Um, a lot of, I, I mean, I clearly respect them and I respect their creative ability. So I don't yeah. have a whole lot of concerns about where things are going. I could be wrong, but that's how I feel at the moment. What oh. about you? I'm going to go backwards. My concerns would be that that it begins to be not as funny as they mm. go into those sorts of heavier issues and yep. stuff. I'd like it to remain really lighthearted and silly. Fingers crossed, yeah. Um, I really... I really hope that it doesn't go too tangential or something like, uh, like goes off into other things. Yeah, other like than I like hope the the main premise. Yeah, mm. like I hope that it's not all about them, like their struggles when they get famous of like meeting a husband and having. <laughs> a, do you know what I <laughs> mean? Oh God, yeah, that no, I sort hope of that's stuff. not what's happening. Yeah, yeah, like I hope it keeps being about. Yeah. I want it, yeah. I want it to be them. about those women growing together and experiencing yeah. that together. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. yeah, like I don't want it to bring in too many. Other I don't want male groupies hanging around. Fuck that. No, yeah. no. What's Unless the last there's some thing? sweet banging going on. Mm. What's the other thing? Hopes, concern. hopes, concerns, and predictions. I predict mm. that Ruth and Debbie will never reconcile. I hope that's true. <laughs> I don't want them to reconcile. I think that's too easy. Yeah. And that's less interesting to me. Yeah, no, I, I hope that prediction comes true. 
All right, that's it for Glow Season 1. All right, if you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us on Facebook at Hunting Seasons or at Twitter at Hunting Scast or Hunting's Cast, however you want to say that. Or you can email us at huntingseasonspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Twitter or Instagram at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Where can the people find you, Lauren, if you want them to? No, don't bother. I don't, don't check. Bother. I don't check my Instagram. She does I, not care. I started a Twitter. I think mm. I follow five people. Good. Good. <laughs> God, you're old. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Our wonderful Hunting Seasons logo and graphics were done by Sean Kirkpatrick and you can find him at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net. Our theme song was done by Jordan Calabas at soundcloud.com classic j rex rex and please 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 review us on itunes whether it's just a star rating or you want to write a little blurb there that'd be fabulous and we do appreciate it it's very important for future listeners to be able to find us so for next week lauren will be back she will be joining us and we're talking about another lady show prepare for menstruation talk we're talking about the handmaid's tale which should be very very interesting are you excited about that lauren Oh, in a in a in a I way, would say excited's the wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. Come back again. We love to have you. Farewell from Damask and farewell from Lauren. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs>